We're in John chapter 20 today. If you don't have a Bible, Rick will make sure you get one. You can raise your hand so he knows who to give one to. Was that you? Saw on a marquee, on a marquee sign at a church said, Come plant your keister. Today is Easter. Today is Easter. Today is Happy Resurrection Day. It's Happy Empty Tomb Day. And if you say it too quick, you're gonna people are gonna think you're Fred Flintstone. Happy Empty Doom. Yabba dabba doo. Was that Fred Flintstone? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, that's Fred Flintstone. Uh, I heard it talked about this week. Just you know, looking at this day and what this day represents. Oftentimes we look at Christmas as being like the biggest day, man, because, you know, that's where we have most presents and so on and so forth. You know, a lot of family come around, you know, and people, you know, take vacations in order to, to be around family at, at Christmas. And and I understand, we all understand that, don't we? I mean, it's a time of celebration. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the son was born, a gift was given, you know. I mean, God was became a man and, and, and was born in a manger. And uh, we come together and we celebrate that and we, we exchange gifts and we uh, enjoy family because it's a day of celebration um, because of, a, of God becoming man in, in the form of a baby. And, and uh, who doesn't like, you know, the birth of a baby? I mean, you know, uh, that's always such a cool thing, you know, seeing a healthy baby, you know, uh, you know born. Uh, that person's probably late to church going, hey, what time's church service today? Well, here it is, uh, 10. But in as much as, as Christmas is a great day, and it was a necessary day, because if you didn't have Christmas, you couldn't have Easter. I don't know, there was a slide up here. I don't even remember what song it was in, but it had the, the contrast of of you know, Mary and Joseph with the baby Jesus, you know, with a kind of a slash through it. And then on the other side of the screen was Christ on a cross. And, and sometimes we, we look at that and we, we think, you know, Jesus on a cross, what a travesty. No. Yes, but no. If Christ didn't go on that cross, understand, we all must understand that that baby was born because he knew he was going to go to that cross one day for you and I. There was no other way. The baby was born, the infant, that precious baby was born to grow and to show us the way and then to die in our place. But then to do something that we couldn't do and that's to rise again from the dead. Why? Because we have a problem. We have a problem. Man has a problem. All the way, all the way back in the book of Genesis. We know it, right? Genesis chapter 3, God had created all the heavens and the earth and all that was in them. And then he created man. And it wasn't very long after that that man got himself in trouble, right? Uh, well, it was wool man. Just joking. Really, I, I really blame the man. Because if you read that, it says, you know, Eve took of the tree that she wasn't supposed to eat of. Now remember, God gave the command not to eat of the tree, not to Adam and Eve. He gave it to to, to Adam. Adam was to pass it on to Eve. What does Adam do? He passes it on to Eve, but what ends up happening is that 
Eve goes and she takes of the fruit, but then she eats it. And then what does it say? And then she gives it to the man who was with her. Which just kind of goes to show that, you know, sometimes men can be, you know, I think he was kind of living in his nothing box at that time. Those of you who have ever heard of that, you know, men, they they have this, this box that is called the nothing box in our brain and there's nothing in it. And we just like to reside there. It's a good place to be. I like it, you know. My wife, sitting over dinner the other day, you know, she was going, what are you thinking? And I panicked to think, well, I need to say something. Uh, nothing. She goes, you've got to be thinking something. I said, no, I actually was just living inside my nothing box. I was just there. I was just there. What were you thinking? Oh, I was thinking about this, this, this. And I said, naturally. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, gals, they don't have a nothing box. I'm sorry. Maybe ask the Lord for a gift of a nothing box because we guys can attest that is a cool box. It's a cool box. But here Adam is standing beside Eve. He's been told by God, don't eat of that tree here Eve is doing it. He doesn't stop her. And then she goes, hey, this tree is, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Here, have some with me. And Adam goes, okay. So a man thrives on nothing and his stomach. <laughs> it's food right on. And he eats it. And he's going, uh-oh, wrong place, wrong time. I blame the man. We oftentimes give Eve a hard time. And I know I joke around it with it up here from the pulpit and say, oh, it was a woman that did it. And you know what? She was deceived. But here's the thing. The man was with her and he could have stopped her. But he didn't. But all the way from that point in history, in the history of mankind, the first man and the first woman that ever lived upon the face of the earth and of which we are all related to. You ever think about that? Think about that. We are all related if we could go back far enough. Somewhere along the line, we're going to cross paths. Some of us are going to cross paths sooner than, than at other times. But, but ultimately, all of us will cross paths at the least at Adam and Eve. Because they're the first man and woman. So you really truly are my brothers and sisters. You're my, you know, how many ever removed? But, you know, we are all our brothers and sisters through Adam and Eve. But all the way back from that time when Adam and Eve went in and they ate of that tree. We don't know that it was an apple. We just said it fruit. Apples have gotten a bad break on that, I think. But here's the thing. From that point on, God set forth a standard. God set forth a prophecy that said that, well, there was going to come a, a child through the woman. And the only way to defeat the enemy was through that seed, was through that one. It was going to be that the serpent would try to destroy the child. He would bruise his heel. But the child would grow into a man and crush the serpent's head. He'd defeat death. He'd do what nobody else had ever done. For you see, understand this, the serpent, he understood that everybody dies. Then you're mine. You're mine. You're mine. Because I can go all the way back and read it in the record that said that man turned away from God in the Garden of Eden, so they're mine. They're mine. 
And so God, he had to set forth something to counteract that. It's a... The news that none of us ever want to hear. It's the, the words that we never want to hear. A, a reception, a receptionist on the other end of our telephone line saying, you know, good morning. Your test results have come back and Dr. Blank uh, needs to set up an appointment with you as soon as possible. How soon can you come? When you hear a receptionist say those words, your heart sinks. The time between that phone call and the appointment seem like an eternity. Many thoughts, they race through your mind. Am I sick? Is it serious? If it is serious, is it terminal? Uh, what's my prognosis? How long do I have to live? It's only a little while longer that you finally show up for your appointment, but you do show up earlier than you've ever shown up for an appointment before. You show up 30 minutes early, maybe an hour early, you sit there in the waiting room waiting, waiting, waiting. Your name is finally called. And then we've all been there. You're taken to a cold, stale, sanitized room where you're asked by the, the nurse or whoever to take a seat. The doctor will be with you in a moment. And then the door closes and there you are left alone with nothing and no one except the two friends that have been hanging out with you for the past few days since you heard that receptionist voice on the other end of the line to make an appointment with a doctor. Oh, their names, anxiety and fear, right? We know it. Resolve in the quietness and your solitude that you will be strong and you'll be calm no matter what the doctor says. And a quick and quiet knock on the door and the door opens to that person that you've been desperately seeking and waiting to see and, and who also just happens to be the last person you really want to see, right? At that time, you want to see him, but you don't want to see him. He pulls up a chair and he positions that chair directly in front of you and he has a seat and he's facing you and he grabs a hold of your hands. And it's there that your dreaded and dull fears become a reality been confirmed. You have this incurable illness that will eventually take your life. Your doctor then says that this is a disease for which there is no cure. No known cure that we have. However, the disease is hard to predict as to how long you have to live. For some, it's very aggressive in it. Upon diagnosis, it's a matter of days. For others, they carry this illness with them for years. And so you ask, are there any lifestyle choices, choices that I can make uh, to either reverse this illness, to reverse this prognosis, to reverse this, this disease that I have in me, or at the least, to just slow it down? And he informs you that, you know, the studies show that there is nothing that can be done for you. There's no lifestyle choices you can make. There's nothing you can do. You have this incurable disease and you are now, you then leave. You get in your car. And before you leave, you probably sit there and cry for a while. Or you just sit there and you're just 
staring off into space going, really? I was reading this last week. Some of you probably read um, that there's this woman here in Florida that just passed away just recently, and, and she was a grandma. You guys remember? Any of you read that? You know, she wrote her own obituary. You hear about that? She wrote her own obituary, and basically she said uh, she was, I think, 68 years old when she passed away. She had an illness. She wrote her own obituary, and they read it at her, at her funeral or her memorial service and said, uh, if you're reading this... Um, uh, obviously, I'm not here, and uh, you know, uh, I. This is not something that I was hoping, but it happened. I I wouldn't have wanted to go through this, but it it did. And then she was able to pass on some things. But one thing that she said is that I was born, I blinked, and then it was over. And I thought, how interesting. I was born, I blinked, and then it was over. The older I get. And some of you who are getting older, you can identify with this and you can sympathize with this. Does time just race by? It's crazy how fast time goes. And if my life were to end right now, or if my life were to be ending in, 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 in a couple of hours, and I knew that my life was going to be ending in a couple of hours, would I look back on and regret and go, man, there were things that I wanted to do there were things that I wanted to say. There was people I wanted to meet. There were places that I wanted to go. There were certain things that I had in my life that I'd always thought would be accomplished, but they are obviously not going to be accomplished right now. Um, there was an old song, not an old song, but a, you know, a few years ago, uh, a country music singer, uh, I think it was Tim McGraw, wrote a song. You remember that song? Some of you country western singer people, lovers of music or whatever, you know, um, you know, talks about how a, a guy was in his early 40s with a whole lot of life before him. You know, when a when the moment that came that stopped him on a dime, he spent most of the next days studying the X-rays. Yes, I listen to country music sometimes. Talking about the options and talking about sweet times. I asked him when it sank in that this really could be the end. What did you do when you got that kind of news? You remember the chorus? Someone sing it for me. Come on. No, I'm just joking. He says, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I don't remember the rest of it. I'm trying to think of it, but I can't. But here's the thing. He said, oh, these are the things that I wanted to do. And through the song, I mean, there's a great, neat little happy ending to the song, you know, in that he says, listen, uh, don't wait in life to do the things that that you'd only do if you found out that you were going to die in a very short time. But it's in that. That skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, bull riding. Actually, we had, used to have a fellow that was in this church that uh, actually asked uh, my wife and I to go out to uh, 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 watch him ride a bull. He'd never, he wasn't a cowboy, wanted to be, but he wasn't. 
Um, he said, hey, I'm going to do this, and it was somewhere up in Bradenton area. Any of you guys ever go to like a bull riding thing somewhere, you know, kind of a local bull riding thing up in Bradenton? It's kind of its own little thing. I mean, it's just a wild thing. You go out into somebody's pasture, they put up some of these cattle fences, and everybody points their, their lights in, and, and here you got, they do have some lights out there. They do have one announcer out there, but it's just kind of a throw together kind of a thing. And then they bring out the bulls and people can ride them. And this guy said, I'm going to ride one. So he got on, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm watching these, these real guys out there on these, you know, 2,400-pound bulls, you know, wah, 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 wah. And these guys are getting stomped on and what have you. And I'm thinking, Chuck is going to get killed. This guy's going to get killed. And then it was towards the end of the night, and, and they put him on a bull. And the bull was like six months old. I mean, it was, it was, it was just a little guy, you know. But that little guy had an attitude. I don't care. I mean, a little bull can have attitudes too. He didn't do 2.7 seconds though. And I don't know if that bull's name was Fu Manchu, but he got the opportunity to say, I rode a bull. So another thing about that night that was very interesting. They had a, some of you have heard me use this before, but bear with me. That night, they kind of had a few little things. They had a, a place where you could go, and, and uh, I think there was a ribbon on a tail of a, of, a, of a little calf, and they put all the little kids in there. Nathan went in there, and uh, he got in there, and he was running around trying to find, and, and he was just a little tyke, and he had bigger kids around him, and they pushed him down into the mud, you know, and I just wanted to go and beat those kids. <laughs> I think you missed the cow patties that were out there, but I'm just joking. But here's the thing. They had a couple little things. But they did have one thing out there where they put like 10 hula hoops. And they, said, and they got volunteers who wanted to go out there. And it was for a gift certificate. You know, to whatever. You know, $50 gift certificate, you know. What was the gift certificate? You know, how could you win the gift certificate? They took these 10 people and they threw 10 hula hoops out there in the middle of the ring. And they said, okay, now go find a, go find a ring and stand in the middle of it. And so all these adults went out there, the 10 that did it, and they went out there and they stood in the rings. And they said, okay, now we're going to release one of these little bulls. One of those little bulls with an attitude that Chuck tried to ride. They're mean. So we're going to let it go, and you have got to stay in your ring. If you step outside of the ring because you're afraid, you're out of the game. The last man standing or woman standing will get the $50 gift certificate. Well, that bull, they let that thing out, and everybody's going, oh, okay, you know, and that bull lasered on someone and ran right out, and they're going, oh, I jumped out. Okay, you're out, and he runs off, and then a girl, and then she runs off, and what have you. There's one girl that was kind of off to the side. Well, it wasn't really a side because it was a round ring, but, but she was off in one area, and it seemed like away from a lot of the action, and she sat there, and she's going, she's shaking her head no, and she closes her eyes. She's going, no, 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 no. And she saw this bull, and there was only like two or three more people left in there. And the announcer's going, uh, Missy, you need to turn around and look at that thing. And she's like, no, 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 no. And so she turns her back, and she covers her eyes. And, and she's thinking what you think she's thinking, right? What I don't see can't hurt me. It's not real. Remember, I had a friend growing up that his, he, his, his mom and dad made him say, you know, he always believed there was ghosts in the house. And so anything that ever scared him, he goes, it's just a ghost. They're not real. It's just a ghost. It's not real. It's just a, there's no ghost. It's not real. And, and so here's what she's doing. It's just a bull, but it's not real. 
It's not real. And so she covered her eyes and she turned her back. You remember this, honey? And she turned her back to this and this bull was over there. And, and it was like the only, only person that, that this bull did, this little tiny bull. <laughs> it's just like, you're going. And, and the announcer's like, honey, you, you need to turn around. You need to turn around and look at that bull. And she's like, no, 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 no. And she covers her eyes. And sure enough, that bull takes off and starts running. And people are going, and now the, the volume starts getting up there, right? Hey, turn around, turn around. She's going, no, 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 no. That bull got under her tailbone and threw her higher than I thought a woman could fly from a little bull. And she landed in just a mess uh, in the middle of the ring. Whop! You know, she didn't get hurt or anything, but I, it was hilarious. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> I'm debating what I, whether, whether I want to give you the point right now or not. I'll give it to you right now. No, I won't. Here's what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie it into this. When you or I are given a diagnosis like that doctor gave that fictitious person that I, I, I started with in the illustration, it's devastating news. you got a disease. There's a problem. You know that you have it, and from that day on, your life changes Everything changes in your life because you have been diagnosed with an incurable disease. And so the friends that you have, you hold on closer to. The family, you tend to stay on the phone a little bit longer with them. You tend to linger a little bit longer with those that you love because you know that your time is short with them. The legacy that you want to pass on all of a sudden is more important than what it was before and you begin to want to share and pass on. Because you don't want your life to be for naught. The problem is you got a disease and you're going to die. All of this said is, is that this from the moment of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, you and I, in a sense, we sat down with a physician who held onto our hands and said, you've got a disease. The disease you have, it's in your genes. It, it's in your makeup. It's passed down to you from your father and from his father and from his father and from his father. Here's the thing. You've got a disease that's going to end up taking your life. Now, now, here's the thing about the disease that you have. You're going to die here on earth. Then there's going to be a second death too. It's the second death that is the, is the most heinous and most horrible death. And, and that second death is that you're going to be separated from God. You have an incurable disease that you can't fix. You're lost. There's no hope for you. And because of that, being left to your own resources, there is no hope. And you will then suffer 
a second death. A second death where you will spend an eternity apart from God in hell. Because of who? Because of the gene that is passed on to you because you are, you have that uh, sin positive gene in you. You and I, we are, we are infected with sin. And, and in as much as I share that with you, I know that some of you might be going, well, yeah, all right. Okay, now you're turning this into a religious thing. Okay, that's, that's okay. All right, I'm, you know, I've got a religious sickness. Okay, that's it. No, 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 no. No, you have an eternal sickness. You have an eternal sickness that you can't get, get rid of on your own. You can't do it. You can, you can try to be nicer to people. That's not going to do it. You can help old ladies across streets. That's not going to help them. That's not going to help you. It'll help them, but it's not going to help you. It's going to help them get across the street safely, but it's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to save you. Well, I'm going to give more money to people. I'm going to become very philanthropic. And I'm going to give all, all my money away to everybody that I can see that is in need. You know, it's a very, very, very nice gesture. However, you're still going to be lost because you have a disease that is incurable and there is no hope for your soul. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good person. According to whose standard you have to ask that question? Well, according to, I mean, really all of my friends, I mean, I think I'm probably the nicest person. Well, if your friends were the standard by which we'd get into heaven, we'd listen to you. But here's the thing. Your friends are not the standard of perfection. But I'm so much better than most people. Yeah, the problem is, is that you still have sin. You still are infected with a gene called sin. And so, as a sinner, you are lost and I'm lost. I don't care if you're, a, if you're young, if you're old. You're a sinner and you need a Savior. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's what he went to the cross for. He saw that there was no hope for you. There, the prognosis for your soul, for your life, was this. There's no hope. And so, I must provide a serum. I must provide an antidote. I must provide a healing agent to Remove this infection from you so that you can be well enough and be healed to where when you die here on the earth, you'll only die once in life. You'll die here on this earth. But then, because the Bible promises it's appointed unto man once to die. You're, we're all going to die. That's the one thing that we're all assured of, right? How many of you don't think you're ever going to die on this earth? I, I, you know, I, I don't know of anybody that has lived forever i just saw somebody who just died at i think at 117 years old here in the united states was the oldest person that was alive at this time and i think that they died or or they just talked to him or something i don't know but a 117 year old person i'm thinking wow that's old but you know what that's not really that old 117 years is not that old now you've outlived all your friends but here's the thing when you die at 117 years old what will happen then? Here's the thing. If, if, if you're relying on you and your goodness and, and your good life that you've lived, you're going to die a second time. And that means that you're going to be separated from God because here's the thing. You're going to die still being infected with that sin virus. And that's why Jesus, that's why God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ. He lived among you and I so that you and I could see God in human flesh. 
And he did many things in front of us to show that he is who he said he was. Think for a moment. Be one of the disciples, just in your mind. Be on, be on a boat. Have any of you ever been on a boat where it's, it's, it's a small boat and you're in a lot of waves and you're going, this is crazy. This is nuts. I've been in a boat like that one time down in Mexico. I'm thinking, man, we're going to drown and nobody's ever going to find us out here. I mean, we're out here in the middle of nowhere, in the Baja. And, and we got this big wind came up and we're out in the middle of us, you know, this you know, see a Cortez out there and these waves were far bigger than our, than, you know, the, the swells were high, far higher than, than our boat. In fact, we'd go down inside the swells and we couldn't see the land. And then we'd go back up on top and you could see it all. And then you go back down and you're going, oh, we need to get home. We didn't. We died that day. Just joking. Did I need to say just joking for some of you? Here's the thing. It's scary. But here Jesus is in, he's sleeping in, that, in a time like that. And the disciples, they're bailing water out. And Jesus had been ministry, takes a lot out of you. And, and Jesus was tired and he was sleeping in the boat. And the thing is, is that, is that the wind and the waves were coming over and it was filling up the boat and they're bucketing out the water out of the boat. And somebody goes over and grabs a hold of Jesus and shakes him and says, don't you care, Jesus, that we're perishing? And Jesus, it says that he woke up and he rebuked them for waking him up. I mean, you got to be really tired to rebuke the guys for waking you up because you're about to sink. But Jesus, he rebuked them for their doubt. And he, it's like it was kind of secondhand to him. He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And then they immediately stopped. The rain stopped. The waves, they stopped. And it was so miraculous that something happened in Peter's mind where he sat there and he says, Who are you? Who can this be? That even the wind and the waves obey him. He raises a man from the dead by the name of Lazarus who's been dead for, for four days in a tomb. He stinks. In fact, his sister said, Lord, really, do you really want to open up the tomb door? For my brother has been dead for four days. He stinketh. The Lord says, open the tomb, roll back the stone. And said, Lazarus, come forth. You got to say it here. He had to say Lazarus because if he would have just said forth, every tomb would have opened and everybody would have come out. There was only one Lazarus hanging around in that area, dead. And the poor guy's all wrapped in grave clothes. He comes out of the tomb, you know. Jesus could even have said, Lazarus, come forth, grave clothes, come off. It would have been easier to walk out. But here he is. And, and Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And everybody was sitting there that were mourning, all of a sudden are looking at Jesus and looking at Lazarus and looking at Jesus and looking at Lazarus and going, who is this? Who is this? You see, Jesus did things that no other man, no other person has ever done. Over and over and over again. His crowning achievement, he hung on a cross. He hung on a cross. And he died 
And he told them all, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. They're going to take me. They're going to string me up. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. But don't worry. In three days, I'll rise again from the dead. I know I'm pressing my envelope on time here, but here, I'm going to just read a few verses here in John chapter 20. Let's look at what happens here. It says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Jesus is now dead. It's a couple days later, three days later. Jesus, it's early, early in the morning. The sun has just popped up. Um, It was still dark. And she saw, verse 1, that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. I love how John kind of incorporates himself in there. You know, this is John. He goes, hey, uh, Jesus loved me. He didn't say anything about he loving Peter, but he says, then you know, she ran and came to Simon Peter, that guy, and then to the other disciple, me, whom Jesus loved. And he said to them, she said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb and he's talking about himself. So they both ran together. And by the way, because I wrote this, I beat Peter to to the tomb. He says, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I wrote it. I can tell you that I'm faster than Peter. And he's stooping down. John stooping down and looking in. It's the video that we just saw, right? He looked in and he saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came and following him. And then he went right directly into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there. The handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Now, by the way, verse 7, just as a sidelight here, I do not believe that the Shroud of Turin, those of you who have looked at the Shroud of Turin and look at that and you go, wow, look at that, that's wild. That is Jesus. No, it's not Jesus because here this verse speaks that his head was wrapped in a different cloth. And that cloth was actually folded in another location than where the clothes that were around his body. And the Shroud of Turin shows his whole face all the way down through his body. I think it's a debunked you know, issue there. I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the Shroud of Turin, and I'm sorry if you are. But that's just for that. Verse 8, Then the other disciple, John, he came in, who, who came to the tomb first. I mean, come on, John, do you really need to tell us that? And the other disciple who came to the tomb first, by the way, well, he went in also. He saw and he believed. For as yet, listen, verse 9, for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now here's the thing. Jesus had told them time after time after time that he was going to die, but he was going to rise again on the third day. But because they had in their mind what he was going to be, that he was going to overthrow Rome, that he was going to set up his kingdom on earth at that time, that they were going to be basically his you know, officers you know, in the army or his, his royal court because he hangs out with them and when, they, when he overthrows Rome, he's going to appoint them to be into high positions. And so they're excited about the positions that they're about to get. It's almost like, hey, he's got the lottery We know we're going to win the lottery and we're already spending the money before we even scratch the ticket. Because we know it just makes sense to us that he's going to scratch the winning lottery number and he's going to give the money to us too. He's going to share it with us. 
You ever do that? You ever get into a lottery when it's into the hundreds of millions, you know, and you go, hey, I'm going to buy, buy a lottery ticket. And as you buy that lottery ticket, you sit there and you've already spent all that money. How many of you go, oh, I wouldn't stop working. I'd continue to work. Shut up. You know, come on, really? Oh, yeah, I'd continue to work. I'd, I'd continue to do that. Yeah, until somebody crosses you and you go, I'm out of here, you know. But you dream about what you're going to do with that money and so on and so forth. Here's the thing. The disciples were that way. They're going, hey, he's going to overthrow Rome. This is, this is, he's the Messiah. He's the king of the Jews. Man, we're his best friends. We're going to have a great position. And, and now we saw him hang on a cross and it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he's hanging on a cross and he's dying. Come on, Jesus, show him. Show him that you are who it is that you say you are. I, we know it. We've seen it, surely. As the disciples are looking from afar, John being the only one at the foot of the cross, the other disciples afraid. Peter is ashamed because he's denied the Lord three times and he's run off. I'm sure Peter is somewhere within eyesight distance of the cross because he sits there and he sees his Lord. He sees his friend hanging on a cross and he sees that the last thing that his friend heard him do was deny him. What a horrible thing to betray your best friend right before he dies. How could you live with yourself? That's Peter. And he's looking from a distance off and he's going, come on, just do it. Do what you're supposed to do. Come off the cross. But they forgot that Jesus said, I'm going to die. But then I'm going to rise again from the dead three days later. It's like, they, it's like that part never got through into their skulls. And I, I, I say that facetiously. I mean, I would have been the same way. You would have been the same way. We wouldn't have, have, have taken Jesus at his word on that. We would have been just like the disciples. This is the last time you saw someone die and expect them to rise again from the dead three days later. I've seen many people that have, that have died in front of me. And I've never once gone to the funeral three days later and they get back up out of the grave. But it happened once, and it happened with Jesus. Here's the thing. As Peter and John were just as confused as well as all the other disciples, they were all confused. Mary was just confused. All of the girls that went to the tomb, they were confused. Everybody was confused. It doesn't make sense. We thought you were going to be the king. We thought you were going to overthrow Rome, but it, it didn't work the way we thought it was going to be. What was all of it about? The two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus is sitting there and they're sitting there going, wait, we thought it really was the Messiah, but man, and Jesus says, ought not the Messiah have suffered and died? Didn't he not tell you he was going to do that? You're going, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know that we didn't take him serious because he said he was going to die. I mean, nobody's ever died and then come back from the dead. We watched him. He was, there was no way anybody could come back from the death after enduring a death like he did. No way. And so on that third day, when Peter and John made it to the tomb, as we saw this, and Peter comes out of that tomb with, that, with those linens in his hand, and John looked on, and John caught what was going on. Wait a minute. And that was a little Hollywooded up, because that's not what it says here. But the idea is that Wait a minute, he did say he was going to rise again from the dead. <laughs> he did it. He did it. 
He did what he said he was going to do. He made the wind and the waves stop and the rain stop and, and, and the, 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 the whole sea just turn into a lake. Just, just calm. I mean, he rose people, other people from the dead. But now he fed, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He did the miraculous, and, but not being brutalized that much. Why would he allow himself to be brutalized that much? But I, I don't even care that he was brutalized that much right now because he's alive. He's alive. He... He did what he said he was going to do. Let me wrap this all up by this. Here's the thing. As they were as confused standing at the door of the tomb, wondering, what does this mean? You and I were living in a day and an age right now where Christianity is getting a pretty bad rap right now. Know this. Christianity is going to survive. I'm not concerned about it at all. Jesus is not going to lose. He's not going to lose the battle. The enemy is just flexing his muscle a bit. But what it's doing is it's causing a lot of confusion in the minds of a lot of people. And maybe you're here today and you're a little confused. Well, why why should I believe in Christianity? Why shouldn't I believe in Islam? Well... Let me just do this. You can go to Medina today in Saudi Arabia. I don't know if you can go in, if they're going to allow you in, but if they would allow you in, invite you in, you could actually go and look at the tomb where Muhammad lives or is dead. He doesn't live, but where he, where he died, his tomb is there. Buddha? They cremated his body after he died. And then they just dispersed it to a lot of different religious sites. In fact, they have one of his right teeth in one site, and they call it the church or the the temple of the right tooth. He's dead. Muhammad's dead. There is not a founder of any religion that we cannot go to a tomb and see. Save Jesus. I've been to that tomb. I've walked in. They actually have a sign right on the inside of this door. There's a, there's a, I know you can't see it from here, but, but there's a, a, a kind of a, a, a wrought iron gate here to where you can't go in. But right over here, there's a door that they can use to shut. Here's a track right down here where the stone used to be that they rolled into place. The reason why this is here is because when they were excavating this area, as they were digging in and the archaeologists were digging in, they accidentally broke into this area of the wall before they found the tomb. And they go, oh my goodness, this is an empty tomb. It's an empty tomb. And so they actually built the, 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 the bricks back up just to cover this wall where they had broken through. But there's a door over here and somebody has written on it. He's not here. He's risen. He's not here. He's risen. You know why? Because death couldn't hold him in the ground. He did what nobody else could do. 
He did what nobody else could do. The confusion that you have in your head is sent there by the enemy. It's sent there by Satan to confuse you, to keep you out of heaven, to keep you away from bowing your knee to Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father into heaven but through the Son, Jesus Christ. The way that you're going to be eliminated from heaven is right now you sit here in your seat infected with the disease called sin. And if you do not take the antidote, Christ on a cross, bleeding for you, dying for you, and then raising again for you, that is the antidote. That is a healing agent. It's the only way you're going to live. And I know it's confusing out there. I know it's tough out there. But know this, it doesn't negate the fact. I don't care how tough it is. I don't care how cruel it is. I don't care how strong of a backlash Christianity endures as we are enduring right now. Know this, it doesn't matter because in the grand scheme of things, even if you must suffer for your faith, I don't think that a hundred years, a thousand years, two hundred thousand years down the road, you're going to care about, you're not going to look back at the suffering that you would endure here the mocking that you might get here the the backlash that you might get here in this united states that we have right here that are now becoming the divided states of america but here's the thing if you don't have a firm hold on your faith you can go high dive you can go you know rock rock climbing skydiving ride bulls you can do all of that stuff but all it's going to do is it's going to fulfill a momentary satisfaction in your soul the one thing that you must do. And I am like a doctor standing before you saying you are infected with a disease. It's called sin and you are going to die. But unlike the doctor in my earlier illustration, here's the thing. There is a remedy. His name is Jesus Christ. We celebrate his resurrection today. It's the serum that makes you well. You can be well through Jesus Christ. You can sit there and go, "Mm, I think I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to let things just pass. I think things are going to be okay in the end because I've been a kind of a pretty good person. Can I just tell you, you are standing in the middle of a bull ring. Oh, now you see where it's going. You're standing in a hula hoop and you're turning your back, you're closing your eyes, hoping that there isn't a bull back there. You're hoping that Jesus isn't the only way. The problem is, it's going to take you by storm. You're going you're gonna to miss heaven if you miss Christ. And so it's in that, gang. It, that's what this day is about. We celebrate because we were going to hell, every single one of us. But Jesus, he died on a cross for you and me. And then he rose again three days later, did something that nobody else could do, nobody else has ever done or can do since then. Here's the thing. Jesus did it. He had the power over sin and death. And he offers the free gift to you 
God offers that free gift to you. Now, it's up to you whether or not you're going to take that, that serum. But can I just say, if you refuse it, you're like that person sitting before the doctor and the doctor goes, hey, you do have this disease and prior to you know, recently, um, there was no known cure. And I know I've shared with you devastating news, but, but here's the thing. I have in my right hand a bottle that if you just take this and consume it, you'll be healed and you won't die. Not from this disease. You'll eradicate this disease in your life. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm going to just try it on my own. But it'll heal you. Yeah, I know. But I don't know. There's a lot of, I mean, aspirin's out there. Yeah. Ibuprofen. I mean, there's a lot of other medicines that are out there. Yeah, but they're not meant for this. They might heal certain things, but here's the thing. This heals your problem. Your problem is this illness, and there's only one recourse, and it's right here, and I'm offering it to you for free. Yeah. Choice is yours. I'm going to just pretend that it isn't going to happen. You're going to hit by the bull. You're going to hit by death. Those words will echo in your mind for the rest of eternity. Easter is a glorious day for Christians because we realize I've been set free because of Jesus. Have you been set free today? Here's the thing. The sickness that you have of sin, Jesus Christ has paid for it. Have you accepted the free gift? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that all that that whosoever uh, I'm sorry, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you done any of those things? Have you done those things? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you called upon Jesus Christ to save your soul? Or are you just going to let it all come out in the wash? If that's the way that you're going to live your life, that's up to you. That's the free gift that God gave to you. He gave you the opportunity to choose. But today, you have the opportunity to choose this free gift. He holds out, in a sense, that serum that healing agent in his son, Jesus Christ. It's not something that you put into your mouth, but it's something that you receive into your life. And at that very moment that you receive Christ into your life, it eradicates the sin. It eradicates the sin sickness that is in you. Does it mean that you're not going to ever sin again? No, you're still going to sin. The thing is, is that when you do, it washes it away. He washes it away. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. So here's the thing. Are you brand new today? Have you accepted Christ? Have you accepted his his way of healing you? It's the only way you're going to be healed. Satan is trying to throw so many other ways out there to confuse you like Peter and John confused at the tomb. He's trying to confuse you because he doesn't want you to come to this realization that the truth is the truth and Jesus is the truth. Because here's the thing. 
If you do, he loses yet one more soul. And God gains one more. And so the choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, right now we come before you. And Lord, uh, I just, I pray God for anyone in here right now that does not have a relationship with you. I pray God that you would touch their life. If anybody wants you, Lord, I pray God that they would simply open up their heart to you and ask you, Lord, to come in to their life. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ and you want to be saved, you want to be healed, you want God to take all of your sins and wash it clean and make you a brand new person, today is the day that God has made for you to make that choice. Now, it's up to you. He's not going to force you to make this choice. But he has offered it to you. And like a perfect gentleman, he leaves it in your court. Are you willing to take it? Are you going to walk out one more time and reject it? I pray today is not the day you reject him any longer. Today is a great day. Today is the day that we celebrate that he is risen. If you want Christ to come into your heart, Open up. Pray right now. Ask him to come into your heart. Let him know that you are a sinner. You recognize your sin. You can say something along this line of a prayer. Lord, I am a sinner. I'm infected with that sin disease that Pastor Don was talking about today. He didn't even really have to spend so much time convincing me of that. Lord, I knew it. Walking into this place, I'm a sinner. But Lord, something happened in my life today because today I recognize that if I were to walk out of here and I were to die today, I wouldn't be with you because I would suffer from the disease that I have called sin and it has never been rectified. And so today, Lord, I want to be healed of my sin. I want to be healed of my eternal destiny set apart or uh, apart from you the second death i want to be with you one day in heaven i want to live for you today i want to recognize that god you became a man and you lived and you died on a cross you did things that no other man has ever been able to do upon the face of this earth you made a mockery of death by defeating it and rising again from the dead I pray, God, that if there's anybody in here today that would want that, they would just simply open their heart to that. Come into my heart, you say. Make me new, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that, Jesus, you were God in human flesh. I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that you rose again three days later for me. You set me free. And I receive that today. Make me well. Make me new. Make me whole. Make me fit for heaven. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. As my God, as my, as my friend. I want to live for you from this day forward. I don't even know what all that means, but I'm, I pray, God, you show me 
Put people in my life that will help me take my first steps in you. God, thank you that this Easter is a day that we celebrate your resurrection, but Lord, that this is the day that I gave my life to you. Whether it be for the first time or whether I'm giving it back to you today. Maybe there's those in here that, have dedic- that, have, that need to rededicate your life to Christ today. Do that. Know that you have not fallen so far away from the Lord that he is not willing to forgive and to heal and to set you free again. Just come to him. Confess. Repent. And then receive his forgiveness. Receive his love. He blew our mind when he rolled the stone away and he walked out of that that tomb. He did what we could never do so that we could live a life that we could never have in heaven for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.